0: How did you get your first script in the hands of John Carpenter?
1: Well, it was the first thing I'd, I wrote. I'd been working as a producer on indie films and, and music videos and commercials and was like, I'm going to take the leap into screenwriting. So I saved enough money for one year to just work on screenwriting and um, had this idea to do like a very pulp fiction type horror film, you know, and, and kind of non linear. And I had a friend who was a screenwriter, Sean Keller, who became my writing partner. And we'd never worked together. We just decided to write it. And just after three months of just working on the script with, like, you know, no expectations, we ended up getting a manager from it because it was so unusual and odd and different than what was out there. And then from there, you know, I get a call a few weeks later that said John Carpenter read it, loves it. So I grew up watching his movies. And by the way, he's the greatest guy on the face of the earth. He's the coolest dude you could ever meet. So he read the script, liked it. And was very interested in directing it and his process was to sit there with the script and read it aloud to us page by page and everything that he didn't like or thought wasn't good he'd just go come on you can do better than that which was which was a learning experience in itself and it showed it taught me a lot about what directors are looking for and what they want and he was a great teacher and the film never got made but it was a really good experience and then from that we actually did an uncredited rewrite on his last film uh, The Ward so it, it worked out great because we got paid to to rewrite the film so we've worked with Carpenter twice and he's a really good dude
0: and so this was the second script that you and your writing partner had. that was actually the first one. Oh, okay sorry but but how did you how did this manager and how did all this even get in the hands of John Carpenter
1: well I had spent time like the first 10 years of working in the film industry I worked for production companies and produce some indie films and things so I kind of knew how the business worked a little bit I had unfair advantage to most people just stepping in but I spent 10 years working in the world and making some connections and also understanding how you know scripts work so I really had worked on a few things where I was like I could probably write as well as that you know or even you know saw what other people were making and some other screenplays I was like I think I could do that so that's kind of where it came out of and just you know we also knew that we had to write something that was really unusual and out of the box we didn't write a script to be made we wrote a script to get noticed and that's where I think really it worked it was like okay this gets made that's great but people will not forget this script and it did what it was supposed to do because it got us you know, it got us a manager and then later it got us an agent from another script and just kept the ball rolling and people still ask me about that script and we've optioned it I don't know maybe six or seven times in the last 15 years it still hasn't been made but it's it's done well
0: and when you sat down with uh, John Carpenter where was this like an office building yeah he
1: has like I'm not gonna say where his office but he has a a, yeah he has an old craftsman I think maybe he lived there like 20 30 years ago that he still owns it's been converted into office so it's cool you go in there and all his posters are up all his scripts are there You know, he just sits in the back office and and just, you know, most of the time when we would talk about the script, we'd also talk about basketball and music and all these other things. And he gave me a lot of advice about the film business. You know, he would say, you know, people are going to rip you off. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Don't start writing until you get paid. You know, do this and that. And one of the best stories I have about him is when we were doing a, a rewrite on the ward for him, there was a big conference call with all these producers and everybody kept telling us what to do. And he stopped everyone and he just said, hey, let, let them go do what they do, and it was the coolest thing because we knew all we had to do was just talk to Carpenter. You know, it's like we'll deal with everybody else. And pretty much the script, the rewrite we did was the movie that that you saw. So,
0: yeah. And when he started going through the script and saying you can do better than that, did he did he show you what better was within the script?
1: No, he no he's he let you he kind of treated you as a, as a professional. It's like this can be better which means you need to go figure out how to make it better you know and just some lines he'd be like you know a hero would never say that the lead of the movie wouldn't say that you know so it was a good good you know education and understanding that like they're not going to do the work for me on things i didn't do correctly in a script it's like you know and and that's not necessarily their job it's like this isn't working so you need to give me option a b and c so that was a really good lesson you know from somebody who knows films backwards and forwards
0: and so when you and Sean left there with your whether you put paper clips or post-it notes or whatever how are you racking your brain to go why didn't he like this what you know like what no was it like? was just
1: like I can't believe we're hanging out with John Carpenter more more than anything but but he was so he's he's like like he's probably one of the best people I've ever met not just in the film business but just a great great person and, and super cool and just you know gives great advice and it was just he didn't do it because he was, you know, from a place of like, come on. It was more like, you can do better. And he would say, you can do better. Just, you know, was really pushing and, and really dug the script. And, you know, to have somebody who you watched his movies growing up say that is like, you better listen. You know, so it was part, it was, it was part of educating yourself. I still, I've been doing this 15 years professionally as a screenwriter. I'm trying to educate myself all the time to get better every day. So, good lesson.
0: And Jim, were you paid for the script?
1: No, that one was just work to try to get it to the finish line. That happens sometimes. Sometimes things are options, sometimes they're not. If you're you have a good attachment, like a director like him, you know, you sometimes work on trying to get to the next level to go out to get the financing. So not every job, you know, or every every project you work on is. You know, you're not always getting paid. Sometimes you have to. You have to make that decision. Do you want to do the work to try to get to the next level, or do you want to try to get paid? You know, sometimes there's no one's going to pay you. So it's like there's. It's either the market doesn't want it right now, or will want it with attachments, or you know, it's a tricky thing. Most people in the film business, you won't make money unless multiple people want to buy the project. If just one person wants to make it, they're like, sure, we'll give you an option. We'll do this. we may have optioned that script. I don't really remember, but it wasn't—you know—it was never purchased. So, and a lot of times you just get an option. You don't get paid for a script. You read these stories of people—you know—selling a script here or there. That happens, but if you're more in the indie world, ten million and under, you option a script. Maybe they'll give you five grand. Maybe they'll give you ten grand. Maybe they'll give you a hundred dollars. And when the movie gets made, the first day of shootings, when they actually pay for the script so if you want to be a team player and get the movie made you have to work a lot for free
0: and so going there you and sean both knew we're not going to be paid but we see the opportunity exactly. down the line and exactly exactly
1: it was like having a master class it's like you know it's yeah where the guy's sitting there you can ask him if you want so yeah it's great
0: what's the story behind your first screenplay sale
1: so first screenplay sale was the script we wrote after the john carpenter project which is called ellie This was called damned and this script was got out and it was picked up by a pretty big producer and they arranged the financing for the film and they actually paid for the script and what happened was a few days before shooting it was fully cast Um, I think they were shooting on like a Monday and this was Friday the cast was getting on plane flights to fly out to Missouri and they get these frantic calls like don't get on the plane because the money fell out three days before principal photography and That happens sometimes in films. Until you're actually, I even have the theory that on an indie film, until you're actually finished shooting, you don't. That's when you don't really have to worry about the money so much. You have to worry about post. But I've worked on films where sometimes they don't have all the money they say they they do. So it's a problem that happens. But you know, it was it was sad. We got paid at least. You know, we got the rights to script back. They were great to give us that back because the movie didn't get made. And we optioned it several more times, but it was, you know, it was very disappointing because that was the first thing I thought was going to get made, and it didn't. It got very close, and it just fell apart. But you know, you live and you learn, and then you move on to the next project. And keep going.
0: So that didn't deter you?
1: No, not at all. No, it was. It, was, it actually made me think even more. Okay, we got to work even harder on the next project and and get something made because it came so close and finally we're making some money as screenwriters and and we were like let's do it it's not like you know no actually it actually emboldened me to even go harder and things
0: and so in a case like that who calls the the actors the location is that the producer that's yeah making all these horrible calls it's probably going to be very difficult yeah and so there was no chance of maybe in a month it was basically this is done
1: they they talked about it but usually in these kind of projects if that happens it's it's kind of hard to regroup you spend so many months putting the whole team together doing everything getting the actors in line you know, getting their schedules making deals and then for it all to go sideways and not know when you're going to pick it back up it's very difficult it does happen don't get me wrong but it's it becomes like okay you know there's a little bit of a, a jinx on a project at that point so you just kind of have to move on and and just try to make the next one
0: and sorry, this was your first screenplay that you wrote or you had second written pre- oh, second. second. Okay. Yeah. with Sean. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And with the first one, um, did, did you expect anything from it? That? that was the John Carpenter one.
1: You know, the expectations were just to get noticed. Really. Cuz it was it was really kind of crazy. And and that's another thing I talk to people a lot about is like, you know, what are your expectations with the script? Is it, you know, if you write something to sell it or to get it made or to get noticed? And a lot of, I think, young screenwriters don't try to write something to get noticed. You know, because if you want to do this for a living, it's something that you've got to like, you're not just going to write one script, you're going to be writing every day, all the time, and have tons of scripts.
0: Do you think the chain of events would have happened today because things have changed so rapidly in so many ways? Do you think that same story could be duplicated again? either one whether you get a script that you know you won't be paid for but into the hands of some master class person basically a master
1: definitely it happens all the time a lot lot of people who become big writers um, they they write a script that turns into a sample and even I've had that several times in my career where there's like a sample of like a horror film that everybody was into and then a thriller that everybody was into and then uh, recently wrote a really big action film that's Getting a lot of traction right now, but it's also just in the last few weeks got me up for some big writing gigs. Because you know, if if you're trying to get a job for an 80 million dollar action film, you can't show them a 1 million dollar horror film. You have to have that sample that gets people's attention. And you know, professional high level producers read; they know by your sample if you can do the other job. So you know, you have to have samples that fit that that kind of what you the type of work you're looking for. So it was a great sample so
0: your two screenplays that you had one that was looked at and and scrutinized by John Carpenter the other one that was ready for production and it fell through a few days beforehand what did both those situations teach you about writing
1: they just taught you I mean they taught me to be just part of the process because you know you start working with directors and producers and actors and even though neither neither of those projects got made you realize that like you're not an individual in this process you have to you have to be a team player you have to work with all these different people that have their their input and maybe producer a has some good ideas and producer b has horrible ideas but producer b might be giving you the money for the film so it's like how do you navigate those waters so that was that was what I took out of those more than anything is like it's not I don't get to do what I want, but I've got to try to like, you know, navigate to a sense to where I can make it what I want or win some of the battles, but I'm not gonna win them all. And you just don't have the choice. When someone pays you for something, they own it. You know, it's like it's like if you sold your house and then you're like, well, I don't want them to tear out the hardwood floors, they're gonna do it anyway. So, you know, a lot of it is is doing that as being figuring out how to like navigate those waters of like. To keep the integrity of your script and still get the movie made, because that's a very, you know, delicate balance between the two.
0: You had been in the film industry before. You said, were you working as a script reader or around script readers?
1: No, I actually had worked at uh, Streamline Pictures, which was the company that brought all the anime over to America in the '90s. I worked for Carl Masick, and how I got that job was I got out of college, I played in a band and the drummer had gotten a job there in marketing and I was like I need a job so he goes I'll get you one so he got me a job there and it was a really interesting environment because streamline was like did so many things they produced films they they imported films they created content they they were like really ahead of the game in a lot of ways and Carl Masick was like probably the first mentor I ever had he passed away a few years ago but he was a great guy and just kind of let us do our own thing he'd be like call Universal and see if we can set up this film well how just figure it out You know, so you'd just be left to your own devices so from that I working at that company I learned a lot about films and and the industry and the business part which I think is still a, an advantage I have over a lot of other people in the film industry is that I understand how the the money works and where it flows back and forth and and what's the bottom line of making a film so from there. I worked on some indie films. I produced some indie films after that, and you know, some commercials, some music videos, and you know, just learned about production as much as I could. And didn't even on the indie films I worked on, I didn't just sit in a chair. I I sat there with a the line producer and learned how to, you know, line by line, how to budget a film, how to do all that stuff, because it was just like if I'm going to do this for a living, I need to know as much as I can about everything, every department. So that's pretty much what I took away from that.
0: Is that something that you think is to your advantage I mean have you always been that way where you cut you you don't you you just need to be told where point b is or a is and you'll find a way out to get there? yeah
1: I, I I'm a little bit both right brain and left brain so I can I'm one of those few people that can like do a budget but I can also write a script you know there's not a lot of people like that so I don't know why I can do that but it's it's you know you you when you understand the business points of like why people are investing 2-3 million dollars in a film and what they want out of it it becomes a little bit easier to shape the creative side too hope
0: mm-hmm. that helped it did what would you say to people that say well i only do this though i mean i mean some people think that you know what it was it um uh, jack of all trades master of none and yeah. they don't they don't want to get in in that situation but then there's a real um, power in knowing how many different things work
1: yeah and, and and here's the thing this is what I always try to it, the the more you know about the film business the better it's going to help you you don't have to be an expert but you have to kind of understand how things work because this is the one thing I always I always try to explain to people that want to get into screenwriting they'll be like hey I wrote this script it's my first script I want to get it out to producers I want to send it to people I want to get it made and they want someone who they don't know who's who they've never made money for to give them two million dollars now if you just take that aside and you think that you want to start a restaurant but you've never worked one day in a restaurant you've never even been in the kitchen of a restaurant and you write a business plan for a restaurant and you go to somebody who invests in restaurants and say can I have two million dollars for this restaurant they're going to think you're crazy but for some reason screenwriters think "Oh, I wrote the script someone should give me two million dollars it's yet it's their first script it's their first business plan they haven't spent any time in the industry and think somebody's gonna write a check for two million dollars because it's that good I mean maybe there there are a couple scripts they're that good that people are just going to throw millions of dollars at you but there's like that's like a handful on the planet so people don't understand it's like that's one of the things that like I try to instill in people is like if you want to be a screen screenwriter and do it professionally you maybe your sixth or seventh will be good enough to show to a producer your first script about your uncle isn't going anywhere you know. and there's millions of those and that's the problem is like it's not hard to become a professional screenwriter but you have to do the work and you have to understand the business and that's what people don't do a lot of times
0: and is there a hazing with all the knocks that you're going to get and all the stuff that's going to be the plug's going to be pulled and then
1: yeah you have to have very very thick skin and and something that took me a long time to understand too is you have to interpret notes because sometimes producers don't like something but they can't tell you what they don't like so if they say no a and it kind of doesn't make sense you have to figure it out you have no guideline because there, there's I've worked with both kinds of producers really fantastic a-list producers and other ones that are good at like putting a film together but can't articulate the creative side so you have to figure out what they don't like and that's your job and you know that sometimes is just alchemy you're like you got to get inside their head and understand why they don't like the first act
0: and when we hear about these wonderkin or whatever that it's like their first thing and, and then it's picked up and it's probably more so maybe in the past I don't know how much does that spoil us as writers or, or creatives because we think oh I'm gonna be the next one
1: yeah it does I mean it does because the, those stories Get told over and over, but there's so few and far between. I know a lot of filmmakers. I know a lot of directors. I know a lot of writers, and there's very few films that completely change your life. It's more like a stepping stone from this to this. Like maybe you'll do this movie, and then you'll get that one. You'll direct a bigger movie. You you went from directing a million dollar movie to five million to thirty. But there are those things where people get hit by lightning, you know. But I always try to say that fifty percent of of getting a project put together is super hard work being talented staying focused and the other 50% is timing and luck cuz the market can change you know within minutes cuz we had a script that was this thriller that people liked we we put it out on the market and we had some people really interested in it and then taken came out like 2 weeks later and then suddenly my agent got like 20 calls like the next morning hey you know that and it wasn't really even like taken but it just was like a revenge thriller. And it's like, so suddenly the script that everybody's kind of into becomes everybody's into because something was a hit. So you can't
0: control that.
1: You can't control the market. You have to just do the best work and hope that you know it goes
0: somewhere. Sure. They found footage, you know, yeah. Stuff yeah. And yeah, right.
1: yeah, things change. So something you wrote, even now, like I've had people like talk to me about like older scripts, like, hey, what about that? And I'm like, I don't even want to send it to you because I feel like a I'm a better writer and b things have changed it's just that was written 12 years ago it's not the same kind of way movies are made because things do evolve
0: I think I've heard you say it's not about selling a screenplay it's about getting the movie made
1: yes yes
0: how, how are those two things different
1: well I mean you you can sell a screenplay if you want to make some money and that's great but you know the, the in my mindset it's like If I love this script and I want to get made, I not only want to get paid, but I want to get it made. Because in the the long term, you know, sure, you make some money, but, you know, the reason a lot of us are doing this is to create things. So, you know, if if it's a document that's just sitting there, you know, in a drawer, not many people are going to see it. But if it's on Netflix or something, you can get out to the world. So, yeah, I try to like be very focused on like, how do I get a movie made? But I also have a personality where once I start getting into something, I I won't let it go until, you know, and just push and push and push. The movie Rage, which we did with Nick Cage, that movie took five years to get made. You know, and it was like a five year haul of constantly working and pushing it up the hill. At one time, Antoine Fuqua actually optioned the script. He was going to direct it, and that would have been fantastic and then we had this other director and other people were involved one time Ethan Hawke was going to be the movie it just kept falling apart and getting put together but you know we had to have that tenacity of like all these setbacks the script's too good not to get made you know and and a lot of people said it's a great script it's too bad it didn't get made you know so i'm like okay well it's going to get made and it took us 5 years to get it made and it finally got made but it's it's just a different kind of mindset of like you know, if you want to be in the film business, obviously the end game is to get movies made. You know, the flip side of that, which is kind of like strange, is that sometimes you can get hired to write a TV pilot that never gets made and you make a lot more money than a film that does get made. You know, so you have to kind of temper that. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a capitalist and I love getting paid, but I also want to get a movie made and completed and finished. So
0: were you always like this where you wanted to see something through to the end yeah
1: I'm very good you know I'm also I'm working on not being miserable until it's finished you know I have a bad (laughs) habit of like not enjoying the process which I've gotten much better at the last few years but it's kind of a mindset like you have to just be focused on like the the finish line and not let go you know until it's done because a movie a million things can go wrong even even after you shoot it everything can go wrong in post you know you could run out of money things could go you know sideways the the editor does a bad job you know we had a director on a film we had a fire in post and I had to do the sound mix and the other producer had to do the color timing so and we had to reshoot the beginning so it's a it's a process but we got the movie finished
0: so let's take that screenwriter though that is that first screenplay that's he's writing about his uncle his uncle has a pawn shop and he just he's the coolest guy and everybody needs to see this film at what point do you tell that person and and they have this tenacity. I don't think it's gonna work.
1: Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, but they have to also kind of like have some self reflection of like what is this script doing for producers? Like at the end of the day, every movie is made for one reason. It's not a creative endeavor. It's to make money. I mean, it, secondarily, it's a creative endeavor. But you know, you have to make money unless you find some rich uncle who's a billionaire just wants to throw tax shelters at you. You know, that's a whole different story. But you know, if it's not working, that script, what's wrong with that script? Is there not a market for it? Does it do producers not, you know, you know, have, you know, do they not get spark to it? What is the thing that's going to get you to the to the next level? You know, if you, that script's not working, write another script. You know, write something maybe more commercial, write something more, you know, personal. What what is not connecting with people on that script? Because the thing is, what I hear from agents and managers all the time is like, 99% of the scripts I get are horrible you know, and people pitching them things are horrible ideas and it's like if you write some if you write well and you have a great script it will get noticed it might not get made you might not get money but you'll get some kind of notice on it but what is the level of that good script is it did you spend three months on it did you spend two years and keep rewriting the same script over and over sometimes things don't work I, I mean I don't know on my computer the other day I found probably 40 scripts that were half written or the first act and I'm like okay it's not working it didn't come out the way I thought it was and I don't see how it's going to be great to sell I actually have two full scripts right now I've written that like I thought were going to be great and I'm like I don't know they're not what I want to put out right now so I just put them away maybe I'll come back to them later maybe I'll never even look at them again but if you want to work as a professional writer and work all the time that's what you've got to do is just keep you know, grow one script isn't going to make a career. You know,
0: so follow through is great tenacity, but at some point, having some type of an awareness that when you're getting notes or you're just getting just complete rejection, that there's a sign there.
1: Yes, yes. Okay. And you know, sometimes it's good to like if you're working on something, it's not working, people are not, you know, you know, having any kind of reaction to it. Try something else. You know, put it away, write another kind of script, you know, and see what people feel. I mean, the problem is too, a lot of people give scripts to their friends and ask their opinion. They just go, oh, that's great, you know, or, or even people who don't know a script from, you know, don't work in the film business, you, which that's kind of like a, a problem too. It's like, you know, I know a lot of people subscribe to these, like, you know, they, they pay for um, coverage or they pay for script notes. And, you know, who's giving you those script notes? Somebody who's never worked on a movie? Know maybe they know a little bit more about you, so you have to be very careful. Those things can be very educational and can help, but you, I don't, I don't ever like when people spend a ton of money on those things, you know, because I feel like they're getting ripped off at some point. Because if you want to learn how to make a movie, the template's there. There's hundreds of thousands of movies on Netflix you can watch that have been made. You just have to find movies like what you want to do, you know, if you want to write a personal story, you know, or a story about. You know you and your friends and some girl dumped you watch swingers the templates there it doesn't have to be the same story but you can follow the beats and you can see how you know it flows and where you you know the second act turn happens and where the resolution comes in and what's the arc it's it's all been done for you I'm making it sound really easy aren't I
0: well some people are self-aware and some people aren't so yeah. do, have you ever paid for script coverage have you, or no notes? you've never no never. I've
1: never read a book about how to write screenplay or anything but I found that I work a, a lot off intuition but I also but what I do though sometimes and even now that I've been doing this I'm in the writers guild I've done it for a long time make a living at this even recently I pulled up a script for a film because I wanted to do a, I was thinking about a spy idea that was very similar I found the script online I put the movie on on Amazon Prime and followed the script with the movie I don't need to do that but I did it anyway just to follow the beats and and you know see what got shot what then that's a great exercise for people because sometimes a script you can see what's in it and what's not but I'm like this has already been done for me it's a different story I have a completely different idea for a different story but this spy movie was awesome so I'm just gonna watch you know, where all the beats happen and the, the formula's there because you know, making a film is like a pop song. It's there in the box. It's two hours long or ninety minutes to two hours. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel.
0: We were talking off camera about The Exorcist and Friedkin and Bill Blatty, and I think you just mentioned something about rhythm. And and I remember that Bill Blatty talked about good writing has a rhythm. Can we talk about that in terms of screenwriting.
1: Yeah, you have to um, really understand. The rhythm of a, of a film like think of it like you know you, you've we've all seen lots of films you have to think of it like here's the opening where do we go now then what do you see next then when do you go back to that character then when do you see you know the bad guy show up for the first time you innately you should understand those rhythms because they've been done time and time again you know maybe that script wasn't originally written like that but when they shot it they edited it like that but there's a rhythm to films which is any good film and any successful film you know, which you have to kind of pay attention to like you don't stay with one character I mean if it's a character study that's a little different but if it's an action film you don't stay with character a you know, through the whole movie you, know, you have to go see the bad guy you have to go set up what's going on here you have to go do this and you have to have this like understanding of rhythm because the rhythm on the page is what's going to get you to the next level you know the director's going to make the movie and he's going to edit it but if you don't have that those beats in time you know and you spend six pages with one guy talking about something people reading it are just going to tune out so you have to have this like really frenetic rhythm of like that happens and when to end on a scene be like that's a great beat to end on cut away to somebody's doing something else you know cleaning up a dead body what it was whoa you know catching the next scene and keeping the rhythm going where somebody's reading it, they're like okay 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 so really good filmmakers you know, do that in the films but you can apply it to your script as well
0: can you name three films that has have an excellent example of rhythm that a oh, new jeez um, right. <laughs> there's like I just
1: said there's a million um, I mean you know, one one guy who's really good at rhythm is Matthew Vaughn like if you watch his movies like everything from layer cake to like the um, you know Kingsman movies those things have just a rhythm you know it's like we go here. We do that. We introduce this. We do introduce that. We introduce this. But there's always, you know, two scripts. I always tell people to to, to watch. I mean, sorry, two films if you want to learn about screenplay writing. And and they sound corny, but they're two of the best like films to understand how scripts work. One of them is Karate Kid, because the first ten minutes of that movie, you know so much about the characters and it's so organic. I mean, even when Daniel Larusso shows up. At his new house with his suitcases he has to kick the, the gate in and he goes yeah and then the kid behind the gate gets knocked over and goes you know karate I know karate you know, you know it's so simple and so easy to understand all the characters you you see what happens to them or what they're doing and you understand the characters and within 15 minutes you know everybody in the movie what they're about you know how did they introduce Mr. Miyagi Mr. Miyagi oh the sinks broke can you go find the handyman so it's very natural and organic and quick that movie just goes da 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 da. So, you know, those are all in place. And then the other film I always tell people to watch is Urban Cowboy because that has such a great rhythm of like almost using no exposition. It just kind of goes, okay, he's leaving this house to go live here. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He meets this girl. They get in a fight. And the next thing you see is it's their wedding and they're taking photos. It's just got this, this pacing that explains so much without bogging you down in exposition so that's kind of what rhythm you know, you have to really pay attention so those are two more movies that are really good with the rhythm
0: do you think a lot of new screenwriters they get too hung up on one character you were saying before like you have to keep it moving
1: yeah not only that but they get hung up on like idea things they want to see in a movie you know that's a big turning point when you're writing professionally you have to realize that like you know what that cool scene you want to write and you put in the script it's not going to work and you have to take it out because there'll be things where like it it gets stuck in your head you have to kill I mean kill your darlings you've heard it time and time again but it's true you have to do whatever's right to service the script and sometimes it's like you might have written this like amazing intro that you love but does nothing for the story so it's got to go or you have to do another one but you have to like do that and I mean look there's directors I've worked I've worked with some great directors I have worked with some directors that like want to do something so they're wedging stuff into the script and it always goes sideways. You know, it's like they saw somebody who did like, you know, long wonders just in a movie recently and they're like, well, let's take these five scenes and make it a one-shot scene, and then it screws the story up. But they don't care because it's like they want to see it. So you can't get caught up in like things you want to do and see, you know, that don't work for the story.
0: What do you say to the screenwriter who says it's not their job to get the movie made? It's just their job to have ideas and come up with a story.
1: They probably won't get any movies made. Um, I mean, it's it's a team process. It's like if you get to a certain level where you can get paid very well for screenplays, you can have that mindset, you know. But those are high level professionals that are like, yeah, you know, I got paid a half million dollars to do this and that, and good luck. And they know it's a money gig, and maybe it might get made, maybe it won't. But if you want to like work more in the you know ten million dollar and under like indie film trenches. You've got to like really, you know, be part of the process, or you know what'll happen, you'll just be cut out of it completely. You know, they'll they won't ask you, and then you know, you'll watch a movie, and this has happened to me, it's something that I worked on that, like, I wasn't really part of the pro. And you don't even it's not even your script, it's not even your story, and your name's on it. So it's it's in your best interest to stay involved in the process and to be a team player and you know nobody wants to deal with a negative writer either if you're like no those ideas are bad or that's bad you have to kind of frame it in a way that like that's good what about this oh yeah you know you because you have to become very you know if you're going to do this for a living you have to not uh, let criticism affect you you have to just be like okay if somebody doesn't like something no big deal because other people that don't do this all the time like some producers and some actors and stuff they're very precious about their ideas and can get very emotionally hurt if you just go no that's bad so you have to like be a little bit of a you know, a therapist and you know, and somebody who understands what the other people are thinking why they're even asking these things because I one of the best things I ever learned was this one actor I'm not gonna say who it was had a really bad idea on this movie and kept saying it over and over and it made no sense and I said to the director one day I was like why does he keep talking about this bad idea? And the director said look he goes guys like us we have 100 ideas a day we throw away 99 guys like him has one idea every six months he can't let it go and that was a big light bulb it's like well that's why he likes that bad idea because he doesn't have any other ideas so you have to kind of manage that and be part of the process or they'll just leave you behind they'll just go make the movie without you.
0: Do you literally have like 100 ideas I mean are you let's say in line waiting with a mask led into a grocery store and you're like oh wait you know what that lady reminds me of this that would make the perfect story I
1: I probably come (laughs) up I'm not kidding I probably come up with at least 10 ideas for films a week if not more and write them down and some are you know just some have legs you have to kind of like I have a system where I try to figure out if it's actually a story or script but uh, yeah I come up with them all the time like I mean literally all the time there used to be a joke pitch that. Uh, my writing partner I used to do sometimes to to lighten the room when we'd be just in a meeting you know we'd say oh we got this idea for this movie it's like it's point break on motorbikes and the cyclones are coming in and they or the tornadoes are coming in they have to rob the banks before the tornadoes hit and this FBI agent has to infiltrate the group it was a joke idea somebody sold that exact same script for like a half a million dollars a few years later like no I don't think they stole our idea or anything it's just in the ether but it's what seemed like a joke idea. Somebody else, you know, sold. So it's like you have to have a lot of ideas, and you have to know like what ideas are going to work. Because I've worked on a few scripts that are great, fantastic scripts, and nobody wants to make them because there's just this issue or that issue. Or the producers think it's too hard, or it won't make its money back. So it's a it's a balance between the business side and the creative side.
0: So when you do have a great idea, what is your process for? at least putting it somewhere that you can come back to and and how do you know whether you want to take it further
1: I usually I email them to myself so I have all these random emails that, that half the time don't make sense like you know you know second act all on on a plane giant fight you know guy loses his wife you know hitman finds out his ex-wife is married to somebody else you know things like that so I have all these weird random things but then once I really dig in I have a process to figure out if something can be a script and usually it's I figure out the entire first act beat by beat by beat like the first 20 pages this happens that happens this happens like the first six or seven scenes and then I know what happens in the second act turn kind of what shifts the movie or the story and then how it ends and if I can figure all that out then I know I pretty much can write a pretty good script so that's usually what I do for I don't want to know the whole story beat by beat by beat because I figure some things out along the way that I would have never thought of. Now there's other times I've kind of thought the whole thing out almost, you know, in in more, you know, bigger beats and bigger sections, but that's usually what I do is I know the first act, how it ends, what happens in the middle, and then what happens at the end. And that's it.
0: So it starts as an idea, you could be pumping gas somewhere and you go quickly and email yourself this little like log line or whatever. Uh-huh. And then from there, on a weekend, maybe when you have quote spare time, you go and yeah. try to, to do the first twenty pages. Usually. Yeah,
1: usually the ideas that that I can't stop thinking about are the ones I know are good. They keep popping back in my head because there's some ideas you you know just come up with and nah, throw it away. You know, it's pretty good, but it's not great. But the ones that keep reoccurring, you know, are the ones that you know. I, I feel like okay, I gotta work on this. There's something here because it's stuck in my head. And also, too, you know, ideas are great testing ground with people too. I mean, this is for more like commercial type films. But if you can pitch an idea in two, three sentences, you know, um, to somebody, just your friends or whoever, and they kind of do this weird thing. I've noticed this is when you have a good idea, not when people go, "That's great." When they think about it for about three seconds and they go, "Oh, that's good." That's when you know it's actually connecting with people. So, you know, if you have an idea and you say that to 10 people and they kind of all go, ooh, or they ask you about it again later, you know it's a good idea.
0: So, if I tell you I had this great script about my uncle and he's really cool and he has a pawn shop in Hoboken and he's just a really funny guy and he always knows when some fence is coming in to like, you know, and, yeah. and I look at you and you go, what are you going to tell me?
1: <laughs> if you want to take the time to write that. Um, but no, I mean, it might be the greatest script ever, but you know, I've noticed that's one thing I've noticed too is that the, the screenplays that get a lot of traction and get a lot of, of people's interest are things that can be described in two, or three sentences. Because a lot of times, if you're pitching the idea or a creative exec reads it, they have to go down the hall and pitch it to their boss. So if it's too complicated, it's going to get lost in translation. So if it's something that, you know, we sold a TV show that like everybody understood the pitch in two sentences. And I think that's why it kept just snowballing and snowballing. It because it was like, okay, great, everybody got it without reading the pilot. Without you know, it was like, okay, good. You know, so those kind of things seem to really work with people. At least getting you know, through the front door. If the script's bad, it's not going to go anywhere. But you have to make things digestible for people too that are working you have to keep in mind producers real producers are working on like 20 30 projects in development hearing pitches all day talking about things working on film if you give them some overly complicated you know, idea about your uncle in a pawn shop they're going to be like wait what'd you say again like 10 minutes later so there's that
0: how long after selling your first screenplay did you sell your second
1: it happened pretty quick because um, the next screenplay, I don't know if it was the next thing we wrote, but I'd come up one day. I was at the Tower Records, the old one that used to have a video you could rent videos and DVDs.
0: Sunset, yes, yes Sunset. the one on Sunset. They had two
1: the one across the street and the one that you know had the DVD store in it. And I was looking at DVDs, and I was like, I had this idea. I was like, Dario Gento, I saw his, he had a section, I was like, his movies are cool. And, and you know, I, I watched a lot of his movies from the 70s. It's like we should do a retro kind of Dario Gento film and that was when horror was really hitting its peak in like 2007 2008 so it's like let's just write like a 70s Jallo type you know thing that has all those tropes and just have fun with it and we did and literally like I don't know how this happens is like two months later this friend of mine whos from Italy goes oh you have something like Dario's movies I'll send it to Dario and we're like uh, I'm like okay I didn't really know this guy that well so, and then I get a call like a week later and it's Dario Gento on the phone from Italy he's like I love your script I want to do it so that movie got made I don't the universe just wanted that movie to get made that movie had a lot of problems with the production um, but it was just strange it was like one day it's like and sometimes the universe just kind of leads you in right in, in certain directions because I just was like you know I like his movies let's do something like his a retro you know, 70s throwback film And then he literally directed it, and Adrian Brody was in it. So, you know, it's how does this happen? You know, from from the concept of being in that video store to like a year later, I was in Italy on set. So sometimes things, you know, just have a weird synergy. Projects have a weird synergy, too. That's the other thing people have to realize. It's happened to me on so many, where I'm banging my head trying to get this movie made, and it's just not working. And then sometimes you write something, and every step of the way, it just snowballs. It, It connects at the right time and right place. I don't know why but it just does and that did
0: and it's about a missing model
1: yeah because that's what all the 70s movies were about like missing pretty girls so it, it leaned into all those tropes of it, it was like this this girl who was a model went missing her sisters looking for her in a you know, and doesn't speak the language and and finds this American who actually does and helps her out so yeah you know the movies uh, got some problems but it was it was fun to make and it was a great adventure and Dario's an amazing person and a great director another again I've been I feel like I've had the million dollar film school because I've got to work with so many great people so yeah so that was that was that taught me a lot about how things can go wrong on a movie which I'm not going to go into too much detail but a lot of stuff went wrong mostly with the money and the budgets and we didn't have as much money to finish the film so halfway through you find that out it's like it's it was a real a lot of problems not creatively but on the business end of the film
0: was it filmed in Italy yeah oh I see okay yeah great wow it looks
1: like I got a good. I gotta go to Italy for three months Yeah, so
0: that's nice. that was fun to sell a screenplay do you have to really believe you can sell it
1: yeah yeah I think you need to believe in in the in the screenplay you have to believe in yeah because it's a hustle especially if it's your first one so you need to really believe in it you, it needs to be something that you believe in something that you think you can sell and you just need to be kind of relentless but if it doesn't work out you need to move on to the next script because the question is you need to ask yourself as a up-and-coming sc- screenplay writer and if you want to do this for a living do you want to write things for yourself to direct Do you want to be a working screenwriter because if you're if you get to the level where you're taking jobs which has happened to me on several projects I'm getting hired to write something you know there's like a an adaptation of a book or a comic book so I don't have any say in the creative thing but you know you can get paid very well to like do that work so are you doing it for yourself are you doing it because you want to constantly write now if you want to do it as a living you know in that sense where you're writing all the time you don't get to choose all the time what you want to write. You know, you may have to do a rewrite. You may have to do this. So it becomes more about work than like you know, just believing just in the project. You have to believe in yourself. And it becomes more about like just doing the work and doing the work correctly and efficiently and, you know, on time.
0: So when things haven't panned out, have you had like a heart-to-heart with yourself like, well, you know, I didn't really believe in it?
1: Yeah, no. I think because most of the, uh, those those projects I'll get rid of them before they get to that point. Like I won't finish them. Or even if I do, I'll be honest about it. like, I don't think anybody's gonna wanna buy this. I think it's great, you know, but no one's gonna wanna make it. Because the other thing, too, is like you have to really realize that in regards to indie films or smaller like $10 million underfilm, the only way they're really gonna get financed, unless you have a rich uncle, is that you have to have actors in them. You have to name actors that finance the film. You can't just ask somebody for $5 million and say, the guy from you know, vampire diaries who's the fifth lead is going to be the lead in it it's not going to work they're going to want to you know, name actor they're going to be like okay we want Frank Grillo and we want John Travolta we want you know, to, to make sure that we can make our money back so you have to also think too is that project appealing to actors that will get your movie made because that's a big important you know, component to the whole process
0: so you've been in situations where you think you like it but you don't think others will or a producer will how do you know that that's the case
1: just instinct just kind of knowing what you know and, and it might not be the right time to put something out too you know because it's like okay these movies are hot you know or horror movies are hot right now all, all anybody wants to make are these so you just have to be really honest with yourself and you know it, you can send it up but you only have so many shots of like getting people to read things too if you keep sending them junk You know, you're not gonna get anywhere. Even even I'm very careful never to send my agents and managers too much stuff. You know, because I'll be like, oh, that was okay. You know, so I only try to send them the best stuff that I do.
0: Can you think of a screenplay of yours that you did not think would sell? And did
1: yes, Broken Vows, which was made with Jamie Alexander and Wes Bentley um yeah it was just it was a script that my writing partner and I wrote and then we weren't really too happy with it we, we knew it was good but it wasn't great and we just kind of stuck it in a drawer and then I got a call like two or three years later from a producer friend of mine saying hey do you got anything that can be made for two and a half million dollars and we're looking for a thriller or something in that genre so I was like yeah here we, we never sent this out we never gave it to our agent even to read um, check it out. It's good. You know, we could maybe work on a little bit more, make it better. Um, and then I get called like a week later, like, okay, cool, we got the financing. Let's make it. So that was like literally like just finding a movie in a drawer because it was just sitting in a file. But I also think too, part of that is that it goes back to what I was saying about some of the stuff that I think is not up to to par. It's still, I've written some some things that are very professional and could get made, but I don't want to like take my shots with those because I just think they're not, you know, maybe they're ninety percent and they're not hundred. So I think even something that on my ninety percent, because I've worked on so many things, is still good enough to turn into a film. The opportunity just arose that this was a good opportunity to take that film that was like ninety percent there, and they were looking for something like that. So it worked great.
0: Did you think it was too edgy?
1: no it just seemed I don't know I don't know why it just didn't it didn't even click with the writers in some ways we knew it was good but it didn't click with us but then we worked on a little bit more once it got serious and then it became a, a different kind of film and became a little bit better so I don't know it was just a weird situation where uh, it was just a script was sitting in a drawer and end up getting fully financed and made it with great actors and you know, I think the actors brought a lot to it too so it, it, it was one of those projects that and that's what you always want is your screenplay can be here, but hopefully the, the finished product's one step better. Sometimes it goes the other direction where you know I have one movie which I'm not gonna say which movie, which everybody who saw it in the film business, goes, well the screenplay was great. You know, which that's very disheartening, you know, when it should get a step or two better when when it's shot and edited and made into a film
0: broken vows was like a a, like a romantic deception or
1: yeah what was it um sorry it's been a while Um, yeah it was like a stalker movie but the guy was a stalker you know usually you saw it as as the girls the stalker now they've had quite a few of those I think we wrote it like 2008 and then it got made in 2013 so it was it was that the guy was like obsessed with the woman and I mean they've made quite a few of those since then so
0: and it was Wes Bentley that was yeah. the obsessed oh nice. yeah yeah yeah
1: he's great great to work with great guy uh-huh. so
0: yeah and so from that time that you got that call where they said hey what do you got hanging around when was the movie actually finished what was the time frame mm, on that?
1: probably about a year later and we had to do the post all everybody chipped in I did the sound mix the other producer did the color timing so you know, it took a little bit longer to get made but yeah so it was made and I think Lionsgate, Lionsgate distributed so
0: so when they said what do you have you said well I've got this thing and you kind of were almost talking them out of it before no or just or? I didn't know
1: what they were really looking for so it was just it was like okay you've got this certain amount of money that you want to invest in a film you're looking for this type of film um, but I did tell them from the get-go I was like this is the kind of film we can easily cast because it's got some good parts you know for actors in their you know between 25 and 35 which is a really good spot to find some good actors and we did
0: what no bs screenwriting advice can you give to young screenwriters or even older who've never sold something and think that they can make a living at this
1: well you got to really be realistic you have to look at the steps involved if and what is your uh, end game you know, do you want to get a movie made? It's a small movie. What kind of movie is it? Are you writing a kind of studio type script? Are you writing kind of a, you know, a small, intimate thing that can be made for, you know, half a million dollars? So you have to kind of set the parameters of what you want to do, you know, and kind of take it from there. Because if you're a young screenwriter and you want to do this for a living, I mean, you need to write a couple samples and write some scripts. You know, you need to be around the film business. You know, uh, TV's given a lot of opportunities to, you know, being on writing staffs. There's so many TV shows now too. That's a great way to become a writer. You can become a writer's assistant, get to know the the working writers, you know, and you'll actually get paid taking notes, doing things, and learn how it all works. And that that will help you with jobs. If you're a little bit older, I mean, you should really work on you know work on your screenplays but also determine what do you want to do is it something that you want to try to get made on your own do you want to try you know like it's a little bit different are you writing a John Wick movie or are you writing a you know small intimate thing because if it's a John Wick movie that means you have to sell it through the sys studio system that's very hard to break into until you like are working at a certain level it does happen but you usually have to work your way up you don't just You know all of a sudden you're not up for like these gigantic jobs of writing you know hundred million dollar films so that's that's a whole kind of skill set into itself so my advice would be just just keep working but work on your craft because people don't do that they don't you know they don't take the time to actually keep rewriting and learning to write you know they write one thing and they think here it is world you know and that's why it doesn't get made and then they get frustrated but I think Anybody who's going to take if you're determined and you want to take, you know, 10 years of your life working super hard to get somewhere, you can get somewhere. You can get some movies made, you can, you can do it for a living, but you have to really like buckle down and be like, okay, am I gonna like save enough money for a year? That's kind of what I did. I said, I'm just gonna save enough money so I don't have to work for a year focus on this. Or just really, you know, and being in LA is a big part of it too. It really is. You know, unfortunately, it's like it's hard to become, you know, a professional screenwriter when you're in Missouri or somewhere because a lot of the connections you make and people you meet, you know, I ran into a friend of mine who's a big producer at the Coffee Bean one day. I hadn't seen her in a while, and she said, what are, you wor- "What are you working on?" I go, "Well, we got this zombie thing," and she goes, "Well, oh, call me later." And then we got paid to write it for for a huge company. So it's like, but those are relationships I developed for a long time. But if I wasn't in L.A., I wouldn't have ran into her. You know, it's it's these are just things that you know happen, and. You know, so it's that's another part of it too. So you have to be in the game. You have to be around it. You can't just you know be outside of it because there's a lot to learn, a lot of people to meet. It's all about relationships too.
0: What year was this that you had saved up the money so that you could live for a year? I
1: think it was 2005.
0: Oh, okay. So the economy was doing well. So yeah, I produced
1: I produced a movie with David Boreanaz, and then I did a big music video and and got paid well on both those. So it's like okay now's the time so um, yeah because I didn't want to keep producing films because producing's producing fun I like producing but it's different it's not that creative so I was just like now's the time so what I did is I just planned for a whole year it's like okay I'm just going to focus on this and it worked but I'd worked around I'd been in the business and worked in the business and knew people so it wasn't you know coming out from somewhere moving to LA and a small apartment just going okay I got a year to make it but you know if you want to do it you can do it it's not the good thing about screenwriting it doesn't take a ton of money to do it you don't it's, I mean if you want to make a short film that you have to hire a crew you have to shoot you know to write you know even the other day a really big a-list director not gonna say it was he goes writing's free you know if you want to just sit and write and do as many drafts as you want you it's your time but it doesn't cost you anything
0: so day one of that like we're doing this I'm not you know I'm not taking any new commitments on what was your did you like schedule things out did you have it on a calendar today no i wish day. i was that
1: i oh. wish i was that organized it was a lot of intuition just like okay now feels like the time you know so no it wasn't i wish it was more planned out but you know sometimes you know some of this stuff just happens but you have to be in the game for it to happen you know i put myself in the situation where it's like okay this is all i'm going to do and just talk to people about it you know annoyed Agents that I knew, I was like, "Hey, I've wrote this script. I'm working on this script," and they didn't care, you know. Even though I knew them, you know, they're like, "Great, good luck." But I was like, "Okay, this is the time now to be really focused on 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 just and not really having a plan B."
0: And how many hours a day did you write um, during that year?
1: Probably like three or four, but I think after f- four hours, you get a little bit of like diminished returns. Now that doesn't mean the other Five or six hours a day, I'm not thinking about the writing, like but physically sitting there behind the keyboard. Usually, try to limit to like four hours because after four hours, you start getting if the work starts getting a little like, you know, not there. You know, you're not sharp. Why keep writing? But I'm always thinking about things like a lot of things when I write. I don't touch keyboard until I've figured out the whole. Fir- like I said, the whole first act, the second act turn, and I will. I can sit down one day and write 20 pages. But I've thought about it for two or three weeks and maybe just wrote out beats what's gonna happen. And then, you know, it's not the best 20 pages in the world, but I can do it one day in a couple hours, but I know where everything's gonna fit and what the beats are. And then I'll go back and rewrite the dialogue and rework the scenes, but I know what's gonna happen.
0: So after a year, did you say, okay, time to start making money again? Or it just naturally progressed? It started happening. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. So. Got lucky in that sense
0: Very nice. and then that film you ended up selling it
1: yeah the second the second script we wrote second script okay. yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: that was the one that didn't get made but yeah I got paid for that and that was a nice that was a good feeling I would think that was the first time I ever got paid to be creative you know I've been I've worked on films but that's a little bit different kind of creativity you know as being a producer but being creative it was it's like the greatest feeling in the world to like do something creative and get paid well for it you're like what this actually you can actually do this and that's a that's a big inspiration. Once you get that once, it becomes kind of a rush. It's like, oh hey, this is better than working at Starbucks. Not that I've worked at Starbucks, but you know, or you know, going to an office.
0: Yeah, much better than going to an office. Yeah. <laughs> did you have office jobs?
1: No. Oh. I mean, in the film industry, I did. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I always I was very lucky. I just, but I always kind of angled myself to where I had a cool job because I didn't want to be bored at work that was like the only mantra I had it was like I don't want to be bored
0: what do you think makes you different from the other screenwriters who have come to Hollywood during the same time where you've been able to make a career at this and possibly they haven't
1: I think understanding the business because I was in the business part of it first and producing and and just knowing like how distribution works knowing like what they you know how how actors sell films and things like that because it just you can kind of can filter it through a different kind of lens where it's like okay this is what people are looking for cuz i've been to afm i've been to can i've been to you know sundance on the business side of it so you know you see all those posters you see what kind of movies are trying to put together and you also see how many movies are being put together you know it's like astronomical if you go to afm how many films there are you know tens of thousands of them and maybe you know a finite number of those get made but you see a reoccurring theme and you kind of understand how these people work you know and it just depends on on what kind of like you know level you're at too studio levels completely different i'm talking more about the indie world you know but uh, breaking into the studio world is very difficult as well like you said you have to work your way up on that so i think that gave me advantage though just understanding um, the business and I can also put myself in the mindset of a producer when I'm writing something and I know okay the producer's not gonna like that but they'll like this so that helps
0: where someone else may have come out but they had no prior film industry experience and so even though it's a very personalized story it just won't work because it doesn't tick these different boxes
1: exactly and and like who's gonna be in, like, like we talk about them the movie about your uncle who runs a you know a pawn shop you know what actor is dying to play that part that can finance a film, and then that turns into a whole another conversation altogether because there's so few actors at certain levels that can finance a film. That's the reason you see so many Bruce Willis movies, Nick Cage movies, you know, John Travolta movies. There's not a big pool of people that can justify people spending five, ten, twenty million dollars. So that's part understanding. That's a big part of it as well.
0: How does genre factor in in getting a movie made?
1: Well, this is a very important thing too to remember, is that the reason you see so many action films on Netflix and things like that is because action films and thrillers translate internationally. If you want to make a comedy and it's a comedy about a bunch of kids in New Jersey and, and you know they're going through their last summer before they graduate high school and there's a bunch of jokes about you know, American kids in Jersey, that's not going to translate in like Malaysia they're not going to understand it so those movies have no very little international value but now action and thrillers sci-fi and horror is like an international language so that's why you see so many of those films because they can sell not only in America but all around the world and that's also something you need to keep in mind if you have this small intimate you know, film that you want to make about the screenplay that's about you know four sisters in Ohio and it's a comedy drama it's like you've got a very small audience for that so you know that's why producers don't like things like that and that's why when you look you can see so many of those action thrillers on Netflix because they make money internationally
0: but what if it's in someone's heart I don't mean to sound so cheesy but what if it's what if it's in someone's dna that they just want to make a coming-of-age story and to them they have to get that story out there and they want to finish it
1: well I mean if if you're a screenwriter like that, that that's got that story I think you should become a filmmaker if, you, if it's that, that story is like figure out a way to make the $10,000 version of that or the $50,000 version of it and make it. You know, that's that's the thing is like you've probably got a better chance of like cobbling together your friends and making a decent movie of that and maybe getting in some film festivals and getting noticed like that than just sending your script out to people. So that's what I would suggest. you know, now that takes money and, and resources, but if that's your passion project, you know, Spend a few years, you know, putting together all those resources, or figure out a way to shoot it. There's, you know, there's great films that have been made for ten thousand dollars. You know, you just have to understand how filmmaking works. That's a whole nother conversation altogether. But you can do it.
0: I think we've already touched on this, but is it correct that you didn't get an agent until you sold your first script?
1: I had a manager, and then um, when we sold the second script, there was an article about it in the Hollywood Reporter, and then literally that next morning. There was like 10 agents called now you don't always need it here's the thing is agents are great but they're not a magic bullet for your career either you know they do things for you and managers do too but you have to do a lot on your own you have to meet producers you have to get out there you have to do things um, and I think actually part of that, what got the ball rolling on that that film was was people really dug the script but I think the reason we got involved with those producers because I'm forgetting some of this stuff Is a friend of mine who'd worked with me on a film that I had produced, who was a production coordinator, was now working for them as a development exec. And she was like, You should check out their script. So it all kind of tied together from one thing into another. So it's all about those relationships again.
0: What was the title of the article?
1: Don't remember. Just it was one of those generic sold sold a script, you know? But back to the agent manager thing, it's like, you know, they're great to have, but they, they work you know they only have so much resources to give you you can't like rely on them for everything even if they care and they they take the time to read but they have 20 other clients so you have to like really understand you know what how to use them as well have a relationship where because they, they're bottom they have a bottom line you know they have to make money too so a lot of people think oh I just want an agent manager but you have to think what are you providing them are you selling things do you have things you can sell you know are they gonna take you on as a client? and build your career so where are you in the process as well and what do you provide for them
0: and so when you got those calls the next day how did you know who, which person you wanted to go with or or even entertain going with
1: them? you have you have meetings and you meet with them and then you kind of just decide you know who's who's the correct person you know
0: based on chemistry based on and
1: instinct and and also to um, yeah chemistry and and also the manager will kind of push you in that right direction too we had a manager at the time and they were like, "Hey, you know, our manager said I've got some other clients with, with him, and you know, so it's all very. There's a lot of synergy there.
0: When you got those calls, and I'm assuming it wasn't like you woke up and then your phone's buzzing. It's like one of those. Moments no, it's not where, like that. Hey, Jim, this is so you know. So, but how did were you like? This is happening. Like I've, I've made it.
1: I mean, it felt good to have an agent, but it felt good to have a manager too. But you quickly learn that, like, you know, you've got to do the work. It's like, okay, well, you sold something that you know they weren't part of, so they didn't get commission. So they're like, "What's next?" You know. And so it's like you've got to get back on the treadmill and start like figuring things out and doing things.
0: Anytime we interview someone, they naturally go right away to their IMDb for better or worse, and they they want to vet the person. So you have I believe six screenwriting credits okay can you talk about how many you've written and how screenwriting actually works and how selling them actually works so you have six there but probably you have many more that just aren't on your IMDb. yeah
1: um, that's a good question is I mean there's I've probably written I don't know maybe 80 screenplays Um, probably optioned or been hired to write at least 20 or 25 I don't even know anymore but um, the thing is that there's different things too it's like sometimes you can be hired to write it write a script you know we wrote a script for Antoine Fuqua who hired us to write this movie about the LAPD so sometimes you're hired those don't get made and then you don't they don't show up on you know your IMDB credits or you get hired to write a pilot I've written several pilots for tv shows that haven't been made too Um, you know and then sometimes things are optioned you know or people buy things they don't get made so it's always different, but you know, um, so that's probably the, the you know I don't know. There's been a lot. The thing is, I have this rule of thumb to make a living in the film business. I have to have almost 20 projects in development or I'm working on at any given time. So it, whether I'm writing something right now, or have something out there, or producing something, or trying to put something together, or something over here, because the formula I think is if I have 22 of them, might get put together so that's what I'm get paid off of so uh, you know because this is how I pay the bills I have to think like that and have to have a lot of things going on but yeah you know that there's a lot of things you, a lot of work you do that doesn't show up on imdb because it's things that you wrote that didn't get made or were optioned or you know you got hired to write and once you get hired to write something if it doesn't get made you don't own the script they own it so I don't know what they're doing with you know there's several projects you know we wrote a really big teenage zombie thing for qed and they're not even around anymore so I don't know who even owns the rights to that but we got paid so someone owns it you know. so there's there's things that happen like that
0: so imdb is not a full it doesn't I'm nothing against imdb but it doesn't indicate it's not a full barometer or or it's not your resume
1: no no exactly like I put my resume on, on linkedin like like I've been hired to write or You know, work on like I don't know at least twenty things. Like you know, we just had a TV project that didn't work with a really big A-list you know director, but we got paid to write a pilot off of that. You know, had a TV show we sold to ABC that almost got made. So you know, there's a lot of things that you know you get paid and you work on, but you build those relationships too with those people. So,
0: do you think most writers want to take shortcuts?
1: No, I don't think so. I think I don't think it's shortcuts, but I think they just don't dig in and do the work. You know, writing a script, you know, a first draft, and just going here you go, world. You know, it's like you may have to rewrite it over and over, especially when you haven't done it often. You know, you have to learn how things work, and you have to get good at it. It's like any other kind of like craft or anything else. You know, it's like you don't become great in two months. You know, you don't, you can't ride a bike amazing in two months or skateboard or do karate in two months. Why? Why do you think you can just write a screenplay and the world's going to come looking for it? You have to get really good at it. And you have to learn every day, and really watch a lot of films. You have to love films too. You have to really be into films, and what's the structure of films, and what are they trying to say in scenes, and and you know just really be passionate about it. So that that's my thing. Is I don't think they take shortcuts, but they just don't do the work. So maybe that's a gigantic shortcut. But you got to get good at your crap. You got to keep doing, keep rewrite and write. If you want to be a professional writer, you should have a, a ton of scripts you know. especially if you're young keep writing a bunch of things you'll know, get be- everyone's going to get better you know most professional writers are like on their seventh or eighth script by the time they sell something you know so they've gotten better each step of the way and they've taken five or six years to get good at it
0: you were in a band correct yeah and what did you play
1: I played guitar
0: oh okay okay great and how long did it take you to pick up different chords and feel like you could be in front of an audience
1: oh, you know, oh did the yeah.
0: cool thing with the hair and yeah <laughs> this, that was so long ago
1: I mean yeah I don't I don't know I started playing guitar when I was 13 or 14 so it was but I played in a band called hate department back then which still are kind of around and were pretty successful and great guys. and they're still friends of mine which is even more amazing all those years later we're still all good friends so yeah it was fun it was you know it, I thought I, I was gonna be a rock star but instead I ended up being a screenwriter but you know so it's not not the worst thing in the world
0: is there are there similarities so you you needed maybe you didn't have to go to school for you didn't go to gti or you didn't go to whatever juilliard but you you learned different chords you probably listened and mimicked different songs it's, yeah. is there a lot of similarities?
1: it's funny you say that because it's about I think about the rhythm of like things like you understand rhythm in in, in school Story and just, you know, same thing with with music. It's like you go here, you do that, you go here, you do that. Because, you know, we talk about, I talked with a lot of people about like films, you know, kind of more popular type films, not the avant garde kind of films, are like pop songs. You know, they're not that complicated. It's three act structure. It's all, you know, there's the, you hit certain beats. There's this point where there's heartbreak, all hope is lost. It's like a pop song, it's very structured. You know, it's not like a prog rock thing. You know, there's movies like that. But those are few and far between and not the ones that everybody sees. But for the most part, films are very structured and they they have a rhythm. And you know, you know something bad's gonna happen here when you're watching it. You kind of know. You know, you know the pacing of a the movie. They're they're all, you know, you know at the end, if something happens weird at the end, you're like, that can't be the end, because you know you've seen it so many times in films.
0: And just as music producers know this is going to be a hit, it it fits these different things, the same with film
1: yeah I mean not so much a hit but you know if it's going to work or not you know get to some but you know there's things like, like I said there's been a few screenplays we've had out there where I'm like wow people really like this they really responded to it more than I even thought so you never know
0: how do you know they leave comments or
1: yeah they respond you mean to the screenplays or? Anything? yeah, or yeah they because write you, emails. you just get yeah no because you just get uh, up for jobs you know they bring you in for other stuff or they make an offer to buy it you know or so so, you know, that's yeah, if it gets you other work, it's doing something and gets you a lot of meetings. If you write a great screenplay and you have an agent send it out, you can end up with like meetings all day long with everybody.
0: Is that its own sort of busy work though, where you've, you're taking so many meetings but then you're not actually getting the work done, or it's not a bad thing?
1: Uh, eh, it's building relationships which pays off in the end.
0: What makes 99% of screenplays unreadable?
1: I think it's. N- it might be the story. It, dep- it probably everyone is there's a different problem with them, but they all have problems because I've seen a lot of these. But what you need to think about too is the reader. They don't think about who's reading it, and the person reading it, if they're a professional, has a stack of scripts, you know, sky high in their office. So you need to understand, like, if you don't grab the person the first two three pages, you know, and, and you hear this all the time, but sometimes you even need to like have something happen that might not happen like that in the film like you know is there a scene you know on page 23 that's super exciting okay why not put that two or three pages of our section of it at the very beginning and then create a flashback or do something so that the it's exciting and really reads like a professional script at the very beginning and that's the other thing it has to read like a professional script which means the dialogue has to be well executed it has to move it has to have beats you don't want to get bogged down in minutia you don't wanna, you know, do exposition, you have to show, don't tell. But the thing is, it's not hard to get copies of screenplays nowadays because the internet has everything. So there's a movie like your movie. See how they did it, you know. But you have to really grab people right away. It has to be, you know, professional all the way through. But if it's not professional first five pages, they're just gonna, you know, be like, what is this? You know, and you're asking someone. You know, to take an, an hour or two hours out of their life to read your script. So it better be perfect, you know, and you better really do your work or else you're wasting people's time.
0: Is that when a script consultant might be helpful? Because let's suppose everyone you know is going to just tell you it's great and they've never met, written a movie before.
1: Yeah, it, a script consultant could be helpful. Um, y- there's some things you just intuitively either are going to figure out or you're not but you know you can you can get a script consultant to take you maybe to the next level or show you things you're doing wrong like I said my view on that is is they're good as long as you don't spend a lot of money because I've had people come to me asking me to fix a script or, or saying hey can you do this I spent $50,000 on this script I paid somebody to ghost write it and they're like somebody who's never written a script so you have to be very careful that you don't you know lose your ass financially so um, but you know it could help. You know there's so many classes out there. There's so many things. But I just always go back to watch movies. They're there. They're, they show you how to do it. It's already been done for you. You know, and just figure out what, how your story fits into that formula, and just kind of like find those beats. But that's why I think. Why 99% of scripts are just they're not ready and they're not at a professional level. You know, if you get there, it takes a lot of work to get it there.
0: And do you think that people gave up too soon on some of those unreadable scripts, or that there's just no way to sort of, it's just lipstick on a pig, you can't really fix it?
1: Yeah, probably probably both. But I think a lot of it's just not doing the work. You know, you just it's not some magic thing. You know, I think people have this, you know, and you know, they envision, you know, smoking cigarettes writing in the middle of the night, you know, and like it's glamorous. It's not glamorous. It's like if you really want to get good at it, the people who make a living at it, People who just, you know, stick to it, you know, grind it out, rewrite it, rewrite it, rewrite it. The other day, I found there was a project I found like let was cleaning out my computer, I found like 40 drafts of a script. You know, it's like that's a lot of drafts. So, you know, and that's what you have to do is really grind it and work on it and make sure you know you get to professional level. And like I said, you can find all these scripts online. You know, if it's anything that's similar, you can find it. If you, you know, you want to do a movie about. A guy in a food truck, you know. John Favreau did Chef. Watch that. You know. The, you know. By the way, he's one of the best at like beats in a film. Watch his films. They all have the same rhythm and same beats. It's
0: there. Yeah, I love Chef. That was great. Yeah. So you saved each draft of that screenplay. You did it forty. You yeah. Did forty drafts, and you yeah. saved each one. This is, you know.
1: Just date them now because there's so many on so many things. So yeah.
0: What's the purpose of saving each draft of a revision? Just to kind of keep track,
1: you know. I mean I probably not really anything, you know, that has to do with screenwriting, just that's my process it's just easier to kind of like, you know, and I also back everything up on email and things like that and then another backup. But but you know, you never know when you need it or go back to something that like you took out. So I sometimes get a little crazy and just start cutting stuff out too. I can I can like just chop, 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 and then sometimes I chop too much. So I'll be like oh wait that was good what, what was that one scene where the guy couldn't aim the gun because he was shaking oh, I cut that out so I'll go back to older version and find it and just cut and paste it back in
0: what really irritates you about reading other screenplays
1: what irritates me is just when people haven't done got it to where it should be at a level of reading You know, where they send you something and they go oh don't read that wait I got this one or I changed that or you or do you read it and you talk to them and they're like oh I changed that it's like, well, that means, you know, there was that famous Josh Olson article, which you can find online um, about reading people's scripts, which, you know, it's like if it's not ready to be read, don't send it to me because it's like like Josh had mentioned, it's like asking somebody to come over your house and paint for two hours. You know, you're taking up two hours of somebody's time. You know, so don't give it to them to read until it's like perfect and there. You know, and if you want my notes and I give you some notes. Don't be defensive about it either. That's the most irritating thing. It's like, don't say, "I want, I want your opinion," and then you give somebody an opinion and you say, "You need to fix this." Okay, great, thanks. And they're they have an attitude about it. It's like, you know, why'd you have me read it? Just tell you it's great.
0: Is it okay to question why you gave a certain note? Is that yeah? Oh that's yeah, that's definitely, okay. definitely.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. And and you know, what do I know? As much as I know, I don't know anything. So it's like, you know, sometimes my notes might not even be valid. It's just this is what I think, you know, but sometimes people don't even want to hear that. They just want they just want you to tell them it's great.
0: Did you ever catch that in yourself and really work on that cuz it sounds like you're okay with with negative feedback? Um
1: it gets easier. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it all kind of depends on who it comes from, too. It's like, you know, I mean, if if somebody reads a script of mine that's like never written a script and they we're like I don't like this and that I'm like, I mean probably my knee-jerk reaction is like what do you know but if it's a producer or somebody who I respect and who's done a lot of work then I listen to them. but it does get easier to take the negative feedback and like, like I said before it's about interpreting notes too sometimes people can't explain why they don't like something and you have to figure that out
0: would you say that 99 percent of what Hollywood makes is garbage no
1: there's some garbage but but the, no I think I think most films I mean most films get started with very good intentions and look I've made a few movies that I'm not happy with either but the process is not a singular process you have to deal with producers actors you know, money guys distributors like even the Nick Cage movie that I wrote it wasn't called rage the distributor called it rage You know, it's like really rage okay nobody's going to make fun of rage in the cage okay you know, but I had no control over that. So it you lose so much control in the process that you know it takes a very, very strong director, like somebody like Quentin Tarantino, who can say no to everybody and filter out the bad that comes along. You know, that's you know, you're making you're doing art by committee. So that's why sometimes things they have great intentions. Maybe it was a great script, maybe the actor was amazing, but things got messed up along the way because there's so many people's hands on it, the editor. You know the composer, the director, the, the screenwriter, the producer who shows up on set and wants to put a motorcycle chase in the middle of the movie that makes no sense, and then you find out later it's because he can get a free BMW motorcycle if we put him in the movie. Things like that happen. So you know that's why sometimes movies don't work out. But I think most screenwriters and directors, almost all of them, have the intention to make a great movie. It's just things get in the way, or lack of money, or resources.
0: So if someone's at a certain level then there's so much more creative control because they can basically say no to people you need
1: that like one per that's why score says he can make but you need a strong director writer director who can like no one's going to question that because then it at least keeps everything focused there's very few of those people you know but like I think Paul Thomas Anderson I don't think any producers are going to show up or money guys and tell them what to do you know so it's or Quentin Tarantino or Christopher Nolan that's why they can make really great films because the white noise that's going on around them, they can just stop, you know, or just ignore it, or or people just scared to even, you know, mess with them. Because people want to get their ideas in a film, too. You'll have, you know, money guys who you've never even met who gave some money on a film show up and like give an idea. And then other ones are great and actually have good ideas. So, you know, there's just so many people that are involved in a film that it's hard sometimes to keep it focused. So I think that's the problem with things that sometimes because there's a lot of movies on Netflix you know, look like they had good intentions and like I said I've, I've worked on a few that like start off over here and ended up over there you know? it happens
0: why don't you outline screenplays
1: well I think I described before what I like to do I like to just do all the beats I write the, I like to write the first act have the you know, the second act turn and the the ending because i've found that like if you are too kind of sometimes too methodical about figuring it all out up front uh, you can't discover certain things you know you'll find things that are happening along the way that are like surprises even to you and sometimes that stuff becomes even better you know you're like oh i didn't think about that but you know how do i get these guys from the end of act 1 to the second second act turn and you just discover it i know some people that like to, to do a complete beat sheet you have to do that when you're hired to write things. You know, you have to give them. A, you can't do that. That's but for a spec purpose or writing a script, you can. You know, have your own process. So it, it feels a little stale sometimes when you have everything beat it out. You know, and you're like, okay, because that two weeks you're writing out the beat sheet, you might get a better sense of your story and your characters four weeks into writing the script, and find things along the way that like, oh, I never thought about that guy like that or this like this
0: do you get bored when things are too easy yeah yeah like a challenge? yeah because right? I get the sense you figure things out very easily and so you want to go to the next level almost.
1: yeah especially well I think too you have to kind of as a screenwriter uh, like reinvent like where you want to go every couple of years too unless you're you're happy in the area the area that you're in so yeah no I, I guess I do yeah I never thought of it like that but yeah I think I'm always trying to like Reinvent or kind of come to the, get the next level or do certain things and figure out how it works. So, yeah, I do. I like to make things hard on myself.
0: No, but that you just enjoy a challenge. You know, you like yeah. to be, you, you don't, you, it's kind of like, I hate to use, like a lab rat. I mean, I'm sorry to, to, to but you know, they, they get the cheese, they get out, okay, they, they, they solve the thing. Yeah. If you want to really boil it down to that, but we, we all kind of want something more because if things are too easy, then it's just everything's boring and then you can become depressed
1: yeah and I don't know where I get it from but I'm really in, in to like getting things finished like like I think I said earlier I'm never happy till something's done I enjoy the process more but I've been on movie shoots and and things where it's getting made and I'm miserable the whole time because I'm I still think something's going to go wrong you know when it's finished and then I also have a weird amnesia when projects are finished I don't think about them again I just move on I think of most of the films I've worked on that have been made I've maybe watched once I don't ever go back watch them or think about them and john carpenter has that attribute if you watch the brian de palma documentary he has that not that I'm comparing myself to them but it's like a good thing to have if you're going to do this professionally it's like once you're done with something you just move on you don't even think about that old project again it's like what's next
0: how is someone who doesn't outline so great at structure that's a good
1: question I think I just know how films work and watch a lot of films and just just know that the structure will find itself because I am very open to like okay and I think I always have a good understanding of like tracking and tracking characters is a very important thing in script you have to make sure that somebody hasn't disappeared too far as a story like if you have a bad guy in something and he shows up page 20 and then shows up page 40 he can't disappear till page 90 we have to see what he's doing at some point so I, I think I always have a really good understanding of like making sure we track people and like okay we've seen this character do this now we have to go back to that person we have to go find that person catch them all up put put them where they go so you know
0: and, and how do you rem- remember do you ha- almost have like um, bullet points like okay there's there's Joe over here there's there's Mary and then making sure that I'm, I'm still seeing their names somewhere within the last few pages?
1: yeah it's it's I don't know it's kind of easy for me it seems easy I, I know some people will like chart out where characters are and and so everybody has their own process you know and you can do note cards and things like that I kind of always have an idea where they're coming going and you know and also too that's also part of you get better at writing too you you throw away any characters that don't mean anything to the story you know if you're a, a newer writer and you have all these characters that don't mean anything you're going to have a hard time tracking people but if you you really pay attention to films especially commercial ones they don't have a lot of characters there might be a lot of people in it but it centers around a small group of people You know, the godfather might be one thing but I mean if you look at Indiana Jones you know, it's always just him and then they'll go to the bad guys and then they kind of like you're along the journey with him so it's yeah it's more like about tracking those people but most studio films don't have a lot of people marvel films aside you know, when the avengers have like 8,000 characters but even then If you watch the Avenger movies, they're great at tracking all those different people. You know, they keep coming, going out of the story just enough so you don't forget them.
0: What about something like Crash?
1: Crash. That's a little bit different, but um, that's you know, yeah, that's that's more (laughs) the extreme. But I mean, but I mean, that's a kind of different film. You know, it still is anchored though by you know, it's anchored more by stories. You know, Uh, so yeah, that's a good example, but that's a little bit different. That's. You know and I don't know how many kind of movies like that they're doing nowadays because that was kind of hit for a while you know the non-linear bouncing around all these multiple stories so they're, they're, yeah that's a different kind of movie Right. but it works you know
0: yeah it's excellent um, can you provide a few questions that a screenwriter or producer should ask themselves before writing a movie or or getting involved with a movie
1: yeah I think the biggest question is how do I get it made you know if it's if it's you know some kind of gigantic sci-fi epic that costs 400 million dollars you know it's it's like a non-starter but i think you just need to really ask you have to be passionate about it too and really you know want to see it to the finish line because it takes a lot of work i mean you want to get paid but you know if money's your main drive that's not always you know what happens there's there's things i've worked on I worked on them so long that even though I got paid well I probably ended up making, you know, a dollar an hour, a dollar 50, you know, if you timed it out. But it was like I was like I'm determined to get this film finished. So I think that's the biggest question because why write something if you're not going to try to really get it made or use it to get other jobs or create a career, you know, if it's just for your friends to read, that's a whole other thing altogether.
0: How many films do you think have been made where they were too ambitious in terms of the budget? And, and oh, lots! People just couldn't be told no. That no. happens
1: all the time, and I mean, it just happens in the sense that, like, you start and you, something goes wrong. Because with any films, the budgets are so precise that if something goes wrong, it could screw the whole movie up. You don't get to shoot that. You now it's not twenty-five days; it's twenty days. You know, there's so many things that can go wrong. But I think that's where that has very little to do with the screenplay, but more to do with the director and being able to like change things and adjust things on the fly and go okay that we can cut that out we can move that to there and we can save this whole thing and not make have it be a mess but it happens a lot
0: so if you are hired for a screenplay and you do have to do a beat sheet and you submit it and then a couple weeks later you come up with better ideas are you stuck with that that same beat sheet and that same progression?
1: No, you can. I mean, what you can do is is if you're hired to write something, you have to communicate, you know, with the producers because every step is tiered. It's like you get paid to start, you get paid when you turn in the beat sheet or the treatment, you get paid to start writing the script. But if you start coming up with changes or figure things out, you can just you know get the producers on the phone who who have paid you to write it and throw your ideas at them and they may love them they might they might just say stick with the beach they might say oh that's great let's try that so it's a process you know, you you, you have to be in really good communication when you're taking money from people and working with somebody and keep them informed but you can't make wholesale changes and go here it is because your agent will be calling you go why are they calling me all pissed off and you did this wrong You know. so you have to kind of like you have to do what they want they're hiring you to do something it's like if they hired you to paint the house You know, gray, you can't paint it red, you know, and say, Oh, I thought this section would look better like this. So you're their employee, but you know, you get the job by coming in with your own take and your own pitch, which they like, but then it becomes theirs when they start paying you. And then you you just have to work with them, you know. But yeah, most great producers, if you come up with a great idea, you just run it by them. They're like, Oh, that's much better. So they're not resistant to it, but you have to, you can't just decide to go in the third act a totally different way.
0: Would you say a lot of screenwriters fail because they're not writing movies that Hollywood wants to make?
1: Yeah, I mean you have to like it goes back to what I was talking about with like, you know, the business side of it. You have to make money for people. You know, or it's it's not it's not a a situation where people are just trying to throw money away or light it on fire. So if you cannot create a, a screenplay that like producers think they can at least get their money back and some because sales agents take a cut, everybody takes a cut, so you have to actually make some profit on top of it someone along the line is going to lose money and that's not what most people want to do you know there's like I said there's some billionaires that just want to throw money at things and and don't care but those are few and far between so I think yeah you have to be very honest with yourself about what people are buying you know you can't make some weird you know film that like speaks to you and your small group of friends and expect somebody to give you a million dollars to make it and no one else gets it
0: and the universal appeal that you had talked about previously just sci-fi horror and action
1: well that has foreign appeal so yeah that that's part of the process too it's like you have to keep in mind that like the for the the foreign market there's two markets the domestic market which is you know north america and then the foreign market which is the rest of the world that you know what a you know some movie about skateboarders in hollywood you know in love might not translate in in you know japan the same way a horror movie would or a thriller so you it that that's a whole nother section of money that comes in on a film. So yeah, it becomes harder and harder, the more esoteric something is. Now, that's where sometimes the greatest movies come from, you know, like makes insane, crazy, you know, esoteric movies that that do really well and, and are cool. But again, those are few and far between. And and in America, I think they're less likely to take chances. in Europe, I've worked with a few European producers, and they seem a little bit more, you know, into the art. They also treat directors and writers a little differently with a little bit more respect and and are more the auteur theory than than here, but you know, it's it's part of the problem is if you don't do stuff that people can make money off of. It doesn't have to be commercial, but it has to have a market.
0: The opening pages of a screenplay. Important or cliché?
1: Well, clichés work for a reason. But, you know, if you, you do it well, then it works so you mean what do you mean what's the context of the opening
0: how important are they are, are people really tossing something in a pile in a slush pile based on
1: yeah they do but it's like if you can grab like you have it has to play pro- professional it has to read professional and it also has to have something happening in the beginning you know and it can't be just exposition people sitting around talking um, yeah it's, it is and you know I've even seen here's another thing that people don't know is that producers will look at what the genre is and see the page count at the end and it's like if you've written a script that's like 150 pages they're like this person doesn't know what they're doing because no one should write a script over 115 pages unless you're Quentin Tarantino or like Paul Thomas Anderson and if it's like a horror movie and it's 140 pages they're gonna have to be like what that is going on you because you know how many pages they're all I mean if you look at most professional scripts they're always studio scripts or anything they're 105 to like 112 pages like clockwork. Horror movies a little bit less, you know, they're like 98 to like 104. But, you know, so they see so many scripts and they know they can, you know, and you got to keep in mind, your time, you're competing for their time against professional scripts are getting. So it's got to be, you know, really awesome and it's got to be bombastic in the beginning, not not you're blowing stuff up, but you have to grab them somehow. Do something somehow. You know that really shows like you know, oh wow, I haven't seen that before. Oh wow, that's interesting. You know, have somebody, you know, have adrenaline needles jammed in their heart on the first, like, you know, first line. You know, wakes up, where am I? You do know, something, you know. And that doesn't necessarily have to be how the story structured, but you have to figure out a way to, like, make it work and have the beginning be something that's really, really interesting.
0: How much time do you spend on the first page of a screenplay?
1: Not much, maybe like 10 minutes maybe five it just depends on the on the, the flow but a lot of times when I first start something I'll just be like this and I kind of know because I've thought about the beats of what I want to happen and then I'll go back and rework it You know, so it's like I'm more concerned not necessarily with all the dialogue you know, line for line but more what the scene is saying like what's the beginning middle and end of the scene and what's it trying to get across and then go back and finesse all that stuff and two now i I do a new system now where I don't write any description while I'm writing. I'll just say describe office. You know, and then go back and do that at the end because it doesn't have anything to do really with the story.
0: It slows you down?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wood paneling, you know, file Yeah, exactly. You can
1: go like back and do all that one time at the end.
0: Interesting. So you put in like a little space holder.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Explain city, explain the car, you know, describe here. Now if it's really important to the story, maybe I'll put it in, but If it's just you know, like if it's a spy movie, it's like, and you got to describe Paris, you know, as the sunrise comes up, I'll do that later. Just put establish Paris. They just keep going because that's not, you know, that's easy to do.
0: How do you write a screenplay in two weeks?
1: I think a bigger question: How do you write a screenplay in two days? Because I've done that. Um, It's actually like the time writing is differs, but it's like how much have you thought about it, you know, because there's times I think I said earlier I'll think about something for two three weeks before I even touch the keyboard about the story and run a lot of it in my head and if I get a big chunk of it it's like I could just write 20 30 pages in a day but I've thought about it it's not just I'm like looking at the blank page I'm not one of those people who stares at the computer I'll go for walks you know I'll get coffee do whatever you know ride a bike that's where I get all my ideas and and for some reason driving. But it's like you almost get in this zone of like thinking about things, and sometimes when I'm stuck, I'll go for a walk. I can come back and write like five or six scenes because I just saw it all in my head. So, yeah, that's that's the process. I mean, there's one screenplay I wrote in two two days because I forgot when I was supposed to deliver it, and this was when I was first writing, and then it became, you know, it was supposed to be a half million dollar little action movie that became a ten million dollar film, you know, and I wrote in two days. So, but. There were a lot of parameters set on that job. It had to be one location. Don't want to change wardrobe. The actor can't talk too much because he's an MMA fighter. Like there were all these things, and I just was like, you know what? I kept putting it off because I really didn't want to do it. I got paid, and I I wrote in a weekend, and then it became a ten million dollar film. They didn't really use the script. It kept changing and changing, but it, you know, so it you never know. Strange things happen in this business
0: what's an example of lingering too long on a film project Um,
1: that's a good question it's you you mean if you write a script and you keep trying to get it made and getting it made and it's not working Um, yeah I don't know it depends on who you're talking to if if you you don't have any contacts and you're slowly building up you know who you know and getting people to read it you know it could take a a process of years but if you had a project that you gave to your agent your manager and you had some producers read and everybody was kind of like not really Jiving with it, I would say, you know, put it away and write something else. So it kind of depends on where you're at. You know, it's like if if you've got a great script, but you don't have access to get the proper people to read it for a couple years, it's going to take a couple years. So your instinct should tell you everything, though. If people are really responding, the right people, if you can get some right people to really read it, you know, if you do one of those, um, you know, coverage things or something and they give you 50 pages of coverage maybe you're in trouble you know but so so that's i don't really know the answer to that but i think you just have to use your instinct on what's working what's not
0: sometimes you write a script and you know it's not good enough how do you know
1: again just instinct it's like you know i've worked on things where it's like it feels great but it doesn't feel amazing like it's it feels like it's almost there or maybe the first 60 pages are Seem really amazing, but the the third act doesn't work. So you just have to know. I wrote a high script recently. I was working on, you know, I got inspired and quickly wrote this high script. I think the first sixty pages are great, but the the third act is horrible. Which is usually not something that happens. It's not horrible, but it doesn't keep up with the rest of the film. And I'm not getting any inspiration to 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 come up with the third act. So I just put it away for now. You know, maybe I'll revisit it in six months or three months or two years from now. But you just kind of have to know when things are working and when they're not. You know, are you banging your head against the wall? That's not good. You know, if there's something that you feel is like you can't crack the nut all the way through or figure it out, you should maybe think about something or put it down for a while. Sometimes you can put something down and come back to it. You know, there's a lot of people I know, a lot of directors I know who've worked on things for years. They put things away and they come back to them and they'll be like, hey, wow, this is pretty cool. But they have a fresh perspective on it all.
0: Was there a project that taught you how important your instinct was maybe you didn't pay attention to it before when it came to writing yeah I think
1: I think the the movie rage that we did the screenplay was called Tokarev originally Um, I love this movie this british film called the long good friday which uh, um, has bob hoskins in it it's from the early 80s and I was like, I want to do something like that. And I kept thinking. And then I, m- I mentioned to a few people, and they didn't know the movie, or they just were like, Yeah, whatever. And I was like, No, this could make a really cool thing, you know? Toneley, it was that kind of movie. The story's completely different, but it kind of had the same tone. And that was when we were writing a lot of horror things, just doing horror. Sean and I were just doing horror. That's all I was working on. And I was like, No, this thriller is a cool thriller, and I, it, it's got a lot of things that are going for it. And I wrote like half the script in like one day. I just kept thinking about it. And then I sent over Sean. He did some work on it. And we finished it, and it got an amazing response. And it was one of those times where I was like, I think I need to move from horror into thriller stuff. And this is like a really cool idea. And it worked, you know. And everybody loved the script. And it got made, and did really well for us.
0: So because of that, you realized, okay, I can trust myself.
1: Yeah. Yeah same thing happened with writing a pilot too for that we sold to abc it's like we never worked in tv and then one day I was like we should write a pilot we decided to write a pilot and had to find copies of pilots to even know the structure and I think we called our manager I was like hey can you send us some pilots and wrote a pilot without ever knowing anything about pilots and there was a bidding war between abc and nbc for when we sold it didn't get made but it was like another one of those times where it's like I don't know never worked in tv but it feels like maybe we should do some tv so yeah just follow a lot of instinct stuff works don't know why
0: do you worry about your movie ideas being stolen
1: no because if you only have one idea and it's stolen and you can't come up with anything else then you're in the wrong business it happens I mean it, it's it happens you it's just part of the business also too I, I honestly believe there's like once you think something and a producer said this to me once it kind of goes into the ether and other people can pull it out of the air and look there's a lot of people who independently have the same ideas i've seen it happen time and time again and um, you can't worry about it it's i mean it and there's no way to prove it it it's a different situation if you sent someone a script and you have proof that they read it and then they come up with something completely different but if there's some kid in you know New York writes something, and somebody somewhere else who doesn't know each other have almost very similar ideas. That's just happenstance. So you know you can't really worry about that kind of stuff. And if you only have one idea and you're worried about somebody stealing it, then you know, good luck, because you have to have a million ideas to to do this for a living.
0: Did you worry about it more before you talked to this manager, who said that they're in the ether, they're in the zeitgeist, and no. They can be pulled out and no, used by. No, not animal. really. Oh, uh, It's
1: just because it it could happen. You know, it's it's like, but you know, yeah, it just think. I, sometimes people come up with almost identical ideas. It just happens, but you can't worry about that stuff.
0: You have to just keep going. Yeah, yeah. What about having a script stolen?
1: I mean there's ways to to here's the thing I, I have to like give people lectures about all the time is copyright your scripts don't register them with the wga I mean you can but there's different levels of protection if you copyright a script and then you have legal recourse you have to like sue somebody or something you can actually sue for legal fees if it's just registered or something else you can't there so you have to always copyright your script so if you're worried about that spend 55 dollars, whatever it is copyright it that's the best protection in the world.
0: What would you do if somebody blatantly stole one of your screenplays? Mm,
1: well, if someone blatantly stole it, I would have some kind of paper trail. That would be the reason I knew that they blatantly stole it, like I sent it to them or something like that. But you also have, you know, a, a system of like you know, you have a lawyer, you have an agent you have a manager who sends it out at, at you know, a professional level and there no one steals anybody's ideas it's kind of protected by them doing that work but if you were a, you know, a screenwriter in the midwest and you send it out you just have to keep track of who's you know. here's the problem you can't copyright an idea either so you can't you can copyright you know, the entire script but if somebody takes a similar idea and writes a different version of it there's not much you can do that's why there's a lot of movies that are very similar movies so I wouldn't worry too much about it and just just get really good at screenwriting and you'll be fine
0: can you take us through the process of how you pitched abc
1: yes this is a question I get asked a lot is with um, tv projects are very different than film tv you don't have to have a pilot you could let me rephrase that you have to have a pilot if you have to write out a pilot if you don't have a history of writing like if you don't have a track record and haven't sold anything now if you have you don't have to write a pilot you have to write a pitch but for most people who are coming up you have to actually write the pilot for the show now what you do is you write a pilot for a tv show it's whether it's 30 pages 60 pages you write that pilot episode and then you write a tv pitch now the pitch is only is would be a verbal pitch you would pitch which is only 10 minutes long and all you cover is what the show's about the characters the beats in the pilot and where it's going the next few seasons you don't need to write like a 50-page bible that's not what they want to hear tv pitches you're only supposed to pitch from 8 to 10 minutes in a room and that's it now they they will ask you a bunch of questions afterwards if they're interested but you don't need to like do work I see these people who write these 50-page bibles and do all this work and you don't have to do it that's not how you get a tv show sold tv show all you need is a, a like I said the proper pitch. which is a format which is just simply about the show the characters a few beats in the pilot where season one's going and a few beats for season two that's all they care about they care about the characters more than anything and what the show's about because you got to live with those characters for years and you have to have a pilot now more likely if you sell it they're going to make you rewrite the whole pilot anyway but you have to show to, to the execs that are buying things that you can perform and write it that's why if you don't have a track record you have to have a pitch and a pilot But if you do have a track record you don't necessarily have to write a pilot and they don't even want you to nowadays because they want to be involved in in every step of writing the pilot
0: so not only having great characters but characters that can actually grow and go somewhere are you factoring any of that into this eight minute pitch or no that's for them to decide hmm can we go anywhere with this character
1: no that that goes in your pitch and when you cover season one and you talk about where the the show's going like Let's say it's 10 episodes. You don't go episode by episode, you just say kind of, you know, start of season one, middle season one, end of season one. But a lot of what you're talking about is where the relationships go. Like if character A becomes involved with character B and then character C is upset about that. So it's not so much plotty as opposed to where the characters fall into the storyline and how they change and adjust. Because I said in TV, you're living it's like being married, you know, with these characters. If you have a show and you're gonna do 50 episodes people have to have a reason to keep coming back to these characters so they have to grow and change and things have to happen to them
0: is there a certain time of year when you can pitch networks
1: yes um, not let me rephrase that not so much anymore it used to be you would pitch like in I think it was July through September because then they would be starting to set up for the next season but now with streamers and all that it's kind of year-round they'll take pitches anytime it's only really in regards to ABC CBS NBC like the big networks they still stay more on a schedule because they still like to have a lot of their shows come out you know, in September October that kind of time frame that they've been doing you know, for decades but nowadays no not so much now they'll listen to pitches almost any time of the year so it's kind of the streamers have changed all that there's no real season to anything What
0: are the steps to pitching a TV show?
1: Whew, a lot well first of all you've got to get a great pitch together and usually you have a producer you're working with who's taking you into the you know the networks so or a company like the one we when we sold our show to ABC we had first sold, set it up at Lionsgate so we went in to ABC NBC we went to every network in one week they make you do it almost like consecutively so that if one person's interested someone else will also come aboard, you know, and they'll get a them playing against each other. So you almost go like you'll get a pitch grid that's like 24 pitches in like four days. And you just go place to place to place, do the same thing. But you bring your producers in. And the real work is working with your producers on the pitch. You know, because when we were very lucky that the Lionsgate execs had sold a lot of shows and they were really awesome people. And they made us do it with them, work it over and work it out and had us they literally time us they'd be like okay you only got eight minutes go and you do the pitch they give you notes you rework it you rewrite it and you do it again and again and they're the final like kind of decision makers about what the pitch is going to be like because they're the sellers really even though you wrote the
0: show so you know that there's going to be back to back this is pitch week and so I you plan out your whole sort of life schedule around that and wardrobe and You know, coming in with this producer, like how stressful is that to know that you're going to be on, even though writers sort of don't want that? Yeah,
1: very stressful. Um, You just have to do it. You just do it. I mean, a pitch gets easier and easier the more you do it, you know, so the first one or two might be a little clunky, but you just, the the whole process is to to really give them what the show's about. TV moves super fast, faster than Phil. You give them what the show's about, and then you try to get it after eight minutes into conversation. Get it conversational where hopefully they ask you a bunch of questions and you talk more about the show but you only talk at them for like a good eight minutes
0: can you talk about the bible versus the pitch versus writing a pilot
1: yes well the the pilot's a pilot whether it's a 30 page pilot 60 page pilot which you have the pitch is like maybe a six or seven page document maybe less that you, know, you you verbally will read to them in the room you usually don't leave it behind you go because they like I mean with COVID it's a little bit different but they've been doing it on zoom you leave the pitch you do the pitch but you don't leave it behind now a bible doesn't get created until the show has been ordered so a lot of people get mixed up on these the bible is like the bible that explains the characters the show so it's it adds you know, it creates um, continuity through the writers room and th- from episode to episode so a lot of people will be interested in creating a bible it's like it's an unnecessary step you don't do that till later in the process there's only two things you need a pilot and a pitch if you're a new kind of screenwriter wanting to sell a tv show
0: so don't worry about how do you make the pitch bible or excuse me don't worry about how do you make the bible because you know we get we see that the once that once it's greenlit or once it's getting close to to being told yes then yeah you're
1: putting the cart before the horse okay right, yeah it so doesn't need to be done like and most times too like if they like your pilot more than likely it doesn't I mean sometimes they'll be like this is great let's shoot this but more than likely, they're gonna want you to rewrite the entire pilot with their input. Like, there's something they really dig, they like it, but they're gonna wanna do it more their way. And if it's a big network or, you know, TNT or AMC, they know what they want, you know? So they're gonna be like, this is great, but let's do it this way.
0: How much time did you spend writing on the pitch?
1: Um, it took several passes at it. So maybe it was like about a month. Where you maybe I mean not a month full time but you know you kind of work on it send it over work on it send it over practice it a couple times do it you know, and and just get everybody's input you know? so we were very lucky like I said we had Lionsgate involved which there were several execs so they would all hear it and then they put in their two cents or say justice change that that's great um, so yeah it's, it's like a sales process it's, it's a creative process but it's also like selling something so that's a little bit different of a mindset.
0: So, you know, you have those eight minutes, but then what about the talking points that are more conversational afterwards? Are you preparing? If they ask me this, then I'm going to say that.
1: Yes. We would always write down some talking points just to have them as additional things, but usually they would ask enough questions that um, it would get conversational and you would you would encourage it you know, and try to talk about it and also we brought in a few visual presentation things too like boards that had kind of the world and some character stuff so we know we realized really quickly that if you bring those in it's kind of uncomfortable for if you're pitching to five or six execs for them to just stare at you the whole time for them so if you have like tone boards and things they can look away and it, I think it makes it more You know, relaxing for them too because it's a very unnatural thing for you just to be talking at somebody and them just looking at you the whole time so and the tone boards made it more conversational but yeah we actually after one or two of those started writing out talking points that kept coming up and things to add on top of the pitch that were like more conversational
0: so by the by the 23rd pitch you had it down so well that you were like why didn't I do it this way to start out but yeah yeah. (laughs) a little bit you get you get
1: really good at it by the time you're done so yeah
0: what other materials are needed to pitch a network show um
1: it depends it's I've heard some tv execs say like thank god you didn't bring in a a visual presentation you know with the the the, you know the monitors and all this stuff and because they see so many of those so I don't think it's really necessary because these are smart executives. If you're pitching to a TV exec at Netflix or somewhere, they know how TV works and they know if it's a show. So I you know, it helps. It depends if you're world building, then maybe it might help a little bit more, but if it's like a drama in, you know, the Midwest, they get it. They you don't have to show them this looks what Uncle, Uncle Charlie looks like and this is, you know, they know. So so you don't really need to bring much, but you have to have just a really solid quick pitch and you know and and back it up and be able to answer any questions they have too. And the weird thing is sometimes they don't ask anything and they're the ones who buy it. So you never know. Sometimes they'll ask a million questions. You're like, "Oh, that went great." And then they pass. So that's pretty much what you got to do is just just follow your your you know what you think's best for that certain type of show. You know, obviously if it was something based on IP, you would bring in the IP. You know, if it was a comic book, you'd bring in big blow-ups of the comic book and go these are our characters but if it's a small intimate thing you would I don't think you would need to do that
0: how many times have you pitched a tv show
1: pitched several um, that one sold a couple sometimes they don't sell and for various reasons like um, maybe somebody else just announced a show that was very similar You know, so that happens as well um, and pitched a couple where we got hired to write pilots but they never got on air so probably like five or six times and two or three of them sold but it's becoming more and more um, really competitive as of late because now everyone's in tv you know, a couple of years ago it was a little bit easier now they want you to bring a whole package in you know, to pitch a tv show right now you kind of need to bring in a director of the pilot the showrunner you know, the, the the producers who are they want big producers to kind of get it going so it's become much more competitive than it was a couple of years ago
0: Can you talk about how you actually got in the room did you know someone that brought you in well
1: I was fortunate enough that that I was with paradigm agency at the time and um, had amazing tv agent rich rogers and he did it all he he just said look I love this pilot you guys are going to sell it and uh, let's go to production companies first so we did that we went to six or seven production companies lionsgate paid paid us and bought the project and then became our producers and then we went out and then Lionsgate sets you up with the the networks and the So it's a two-step process. First your agent will get you with producers, if the producers latch on then the producers take it over from there. And then they will set everything up for you and take it out and they make all the meetings and they have a track record usually with these networks and have other shows on the air with them. So so it's a two-step process.
0: So they want repped writers. You're not just meeting somebody At a coffee shop, and hey, you know what? I want to bring you in. Why don't you? you,
1: Yeah, I mean, I think TV is a little bit yeah harder than features to get in with. With features, you can get in. I think a little bit easier. Meet producers and talk. TV is a little bit tougher without an agency. But you know, it depends on what you're trying to do. If you're a screenwriter and you want to work in TV, are you trying to sell a show or are you trying to become a a, you know staff writer? Staff writer is a lot easier. Selling a show is a big. You've got to put all these pieces together and and have all this stuff thought out. Now, if you write a good spec pilot, and you want to get on a TV show, you can maybe find an agent to send it out to people, you know, or meet people, or work in a writer's room, like I said before, and you know, being a writer's assistant and get on a staff. That's a little bit. That's a lot easier than selling a show. Selling a show's you're the creator and that's your show.
0: So people now are bringing in teams you said so showrunners. directors. yeah they want to
1: package everything and even sometimes actors you know so
0: and they would all come in not barring COVID not being around but they would all come in previously as a group
1: yeah yeah which that's a hard package to turn down when you know jj abrams walks in with his, his whole crew and you know so but that's the that's the advantage to hooking up your pilot or your project with a big production company you know they can do that They can go get you know showrunners. They can go get those people. So, yeah, TV's become very, very competitive as of late. You know, and it wasn't always seems like, but you know, it's it's become TV's become a beast. You know, last few years. So it's it's really great people making TV. So that's another question you have to ask yourself: is like, look who I'm competing against. You know, so it might be better for. Somebody starting out to really write a spec pilot and try to get in a writer's room and try—that should be your goal—is like, how do I get on a staff and write, you know, for two, three years, make a living at it, and then make those connections, get the agent. Then you can write your own, you know, project and get it out there.
0: The bigger a production budget, the more problems.
1: No, I've seen that. I I have found that you have the same problems on a million dollar movie that you do on a ten million dollar movie. And I know people who have produced hundred million dollar movies that said there's the same problems on a million dollar movie on a hundred million dollar movie. It's always time, money, actors, producers, screenplay. It's the exact same problems. Just more is at stake.
0: Is the stress level higher because more is at stake?
1: I would think so. I've never produced a hundred million dollar movie, but I get stressed out producing just a million dollar movie. So I, I would think so.
0: But across the board, you've heard from others that it's the same. It doesn't matter same
1: problems. No. The, you know, just the pay is a lot less if you're doing a million dollar film versus a hundred million dollar film. So yeah, I've heard people say the exact same problems.
0: Did you pitch in the mirror? Did you? No. Did, no okay. No. <laughs>